Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you so much for joining us for episode number 54 on monday october 23rd 2017 as always i am joe Murata, and as always that is michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy doody what's going on man nothing much happy monday yeah just talking about the old wrestling here <laughs> yeah, i can't wait for the old wrestling talk yeah and we're sure you fans can't either uh thank you so much for being back with us for yet another week here as we march through october and keep the fall going here we're here to talk to you about the world the whole world of retro wrestling. It's a big world. It's a big, big world. There's a lot. And and we'll have a map today of, of that world. That's very true, Michael. Yeah. Before we get to any of that world, before we dive in there, let me just remind you of a few administrative things. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is O VP Podcast at gmail.com. Quinn, we do occasionally get an email. Yes, every now and then, but make sure it's an actual valid email address. That's true. We need that. Yeah. Most of our correspondence with our fans and friends here these days, however, happens on our Facebook group, Quinn. Oh, yeah. The Facebook group. You can uh, join it by going to Facebook.web. <laughs> and then in the search bar, you type our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. Yep. and You should see the group there. If you hit join, we'll let you right in. Now, what goes on there? All the fun, the, the fun about yeah. talking with the retro wrestling. If you thought we were nutty about retro wrestling, just wait till you dive into this community, folks. Oh, my goodness. It's if crazy. You, if you want the best of Carrie Von Eric jokes. <laughs> um, Question the, of the day by Gary Fay. If you want to hear about Pedro Morales sucking. Uh, if you want to talk to Chris Cruz or David Penzer, a couple of those guys are on there as well. Yeah, if you want that kind of retro stuff. That's the place to go. Head on over there. Uh, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. If you're doing that right now, you don't have to. There no. are other places to listen to us. Yes, you can go over to Apple Podcasts, yeah. where you can hit the subscribe button, and the podcast will then automatically download into your phone. Science. Yeah. Also over there, you can leave a review. Yes, you can. And we're having the review contest right now. We are. We're having the OVP Recommend a Friend campaign, Quinn. Right. If you get a friend to leave a review... And say that, the, that and it was you. Say that they were recommended by you. Yep. We'll tally them all up, whoever has the most. And the winner will get to be on this show in a future episode and also get a free t-shirt. That's right. The OVT is also available at teespring.com slash OVP podcast. So, Quinn, yes. Apple Podcasts. Yes. There's Google Play Music. Yep. Stitcher. Yes, there is. Blueberry. Yes. Who cares? Oh, okay. Excuse me, Gorilla. Auto. And yeah. basically, wherever they have podcasts. Anywhere there's a podcast, we're there. Yeah. Uh, and one last thing that we have recently introduced is our Patreon. Yes, the Patreon. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. At patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And Quinn, there's some really cool rewards and things like that. Yeah, so the main big thing is that we're coming back to the world of reviewing content live. on video. Yep. Live video. Yep. Yeah. So if you subscribe to the Patreon, mm -hmm. you can watch us review stuff. That's right, every month. Yeah, every month there'll be a new one. So get in there. I think we're going to start around the end 
of the month. Yes, yeah. I believe so. So if you want to, again, we've, we've said this before, but we're never going to beg for your money. Yeah. We're never going to make you pay for something that you're already getting for free. This is just for additional content. Right. And and to clarify, it's only $3 That's it. to get into that tier. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. So as you all know, and you know, Michael, we are doing a narrative this whole entire season. Season yes. six here, episode 51 through 60. We have a running narrative. It is a foundational series for the modern era, we've been calling it. Yes. And when we last left off... Jim Crockett Promotions was just purchased by Ted Turner. Yeah. The media mogul from Atlanta. I'm really glad to see World Championship Wrestling going back to the traditional style of wrestling, which emphasizes athleticism. (laughs) Owner of WTBS. That's correct. And they were kind of going head to head with Vince McMahon. Picking up right where Crockett left off as far as competing. Mm -hmm. Now we got that sweet Turner money behind this enterprise. It's no wonder Superstation WTBS has become America's most popular cable network. But amidst all that, there's something that's also happening in the background. And that is the death, so to speak, of the territory system, Quinn. You want to explain what that was? Unlike everything else going on right now where there's growth and good things happening and great entertainment, right? Sure, yep. You have the territories. You have the territories. The NWA (laughs) territories mainly. Yes, and that's not to say some of them were good, some of them were stale. Sure. Whatever. But the whole system was kind of breaking down at this point, right? Jim Crockett was uniting the remaining territories, Mm -hmm. and Vince was just buying the ones that didn't want to cooperate with him. Pretty much. Basically what happened here, and this this had started earlier, of course, than 1988. It really started in the earlier 80s with Vince and then Jim Crockett, as Quinn mentioned. You had a, you know, there's a famous map that WWE shows on their DVDs sometimes. Oh, yeah, and Jim Ross (laughs) likes to introduce it. (laughs) But you had a lot of territories at the time. Florida had Eddie Graham, Quinn. Welcome to a new year and welcome to Championship Wrestling 83. And to start the new year, may I just point out, we do have new global tag team champions. They are the Kangaroos. Yup. That was Championship Wrestling from Florida. Yep. Obviously, Georgia, as we had mentioned last week, was originally um, Jim Barnett and then the uh, Briscoes, who sold to McMahon. You had was Dallas. Back. Yeah, Dallas is a big one. World we- class. Welcome to World Class Championship Wrestling from the Sportatorium, the most famous wrestling arena in the world right here in Dallas, Texas. World Class in the early to mid-80s was hot as hell. Oh, hell yeah. yeah Big they, deal. And they were making strides in production quality, all sorts of things. They were using satellites to they like, were. They, before everyone. They weren't just in Dallas as far as their reach you know, yeah. on television. They were going places that you wouldn't think possible for what was, at the time, a regional territory. Right. And that whole Von Erich family, you know, obviously headed up by Fritz, but you know, Carrie was a huge star. David was the biggest mm-hmm. star. You had Kevin Von Erich. Yeah. They were like the heartthrobs, the pride and joy of Dallas, you know? I'm sorry. The foot? Yeah, I know. It sounds like a funky club for podiatrists. Yeah, and not to mention there were other families in the mix, obviously, before. You had the Hearts up in Calgary. That's right, in western Canada, Montana. <laughs> Stampede Wrestling over there. And that was also a big deal in the early 80s. That was purchased by Vince McMahon in 1984. Stu, tell us exactly what you think about this stuff. It's wonderful. Right. Part of that deal, of course, would be Bret Hart coming over. The British Bulldogs. Bulldogs. The, those are their crowning achievements, really. Yeah. What else, Quinn? Oh, there's Bill Watts. Bill Watts. Mid-South, right? He's the one that opened the door yeah. and came in like the shining light. Yeah. From what I understand. Bill Watts opened the door and he walked through, brother, and came out of the shining light. 
Yep, and that was another big popular territory. <laughs> Mid-South was another one where in the early and mid-80s, they were kind of pioneering a great episodic serial TV style, yep. great production values, great roster. Your Jim Duggins, mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase, Butch Reed, one-man gang. Some JYD really, was there, I think? He was definitely there, yeah. Some good, yeah. high-caliber talent that Vince poached, obviously, yeah. and in then the you 80s. Had, then you had your, like, underground weird stuff like uh, Continental. Hey, well, thank you so very, very much, and welcome once again to Continental Championship Wrestling. You know, we told you last week, of course, that the NWA World Heavyweight Champion would be here to wrestle and defend his title here on Continental Championship Wrestling. Continental, which we reviewed several episodes back, uh, yeah. Ron and Rob Fuller. I would say the closest thing to ECW in the 80s that existed. Like, this Absolutely. was hardcore style before that was a thing. It was a great territory. I believe it was an Alabama, Mississippi area. Uh, Yeah, like Tennessee. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff was going on down there. Yeah, very innovative. Although, under the radar, and by the way, nobody owns the tape library to that to this day. That's true. Like, Vince doesn't own it. Yeah, nobody ever Some bought guy, them. right? Yeah, it's uh, the guy who owned the TV station uh-huh. that they were on bought them at the end, very, very end. Absolutely right. Yeah. Now, we would also want to mention, if we're talking about the South and some great territories down there, mm-hmm. Memphis with Jerry Jarrett. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, my favorite time, right before we get off and run it in the ring there with Championship Wrestling Day. You're right. Boy, I tell you, what a show we got today. We're going to have, uh, well, a couple of interesting things. And what happened here, and again, folks, we're just kind of just walking you through a little bit of the territories. We don't have time to get into every single one in specific detail. Yeah. But Jerry Jarrett's a notable one, Quinn, the Memphis territory. Yeah, with Jerry Lawler. Because that was the big territory for Jerry the King Lawler, a huge star I mean, it in was, that area. It was like a vehicle for the King, yes. basically. Like, this is where the King made his name. This is where the Andy Kaufman stuff happened. Absolutely. You want to wrestle me? You want to wrestle me, Memphis style? All right, fine. Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you because you don't have any brains. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. All you do is plow the fields and farm the farm and the uh, Is that how you talk from Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler? Boo. See, Mr. Lawler, you don't have any brains. I am from Hollywood. I have the brains. That's how I win my matches. I say the bigger they come, the harder they fall. Yeah, just another big territory at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, amongst many. Amongst many, another one that there was was the original Sheik, Sabu's dad, Ed Farhat, had big-time wrestling out in the Detroit, you know, Michigan area. Uh-huh, yes. In the Midwest, the, the Great Lakes area. And above that, into Canada there, was good old Frank Tunney, the uh, uncle, I believe, oh, right. of Maple Jack Leaf. Tunney. Maple Leaf, another one that was bought out by Vince McMahon in the mid-'80s. Which you may remember, Maple Leaf Wrestling is what Superstars was called mm-hmm. in Canada. Welcome, everyone, to Maple Leaf Wrestling and ringside. This is Vince McMahon along with Jesse the Body Ventura. Once Vince bought it, right. he just used that same branding to keep it like that in uh, Toronto. Yeah. And, you know, out west, you had some other ones. You had um, Don Owen in the Oregon area, yeah. you know, Washington, the Pacific Northwest Territory. Did you have the Rougeos up in Montreal? You did, actually. Jacques Rougeau Sr. Yes. was up there. And there was also some stuff out in California. Roy Shire in San Francisco was the big one. Yeah. Basically, though, and the Funks in, in Amarillo, Texas, mm-hmm. Dory Funk Sr., believe it or not, <laughs> which right. who, no one ever Good talks Lord. about him. Yeah. Basically, though, what had happened by the mid and then late 80s is a lot of these territories, Quinn, were either closed down of their own volition because they couldn't make money anymore. Right. Vince McMahon bought them, possibly, mm-hmm. raided them, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, of course, Vince always with his bullshit excuse that he would never hurt anybody else. Of course. <laughs> 
Uh, he says that when WCW is attacking <laughs> yeah, him and exactly. they're bigger, but you know, at the time, he's the big dog and yeah. he's like, fuck you, basically. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. Don't tell me what I'm saying. You want to ask me what I'm saying? I'll tell you what I'm okay. saying. Don't tell me what I'm saying. We're naming all these territories and we have to say something. This is kind of what contributed to as to why when there became two all of a sudden that every single person in these territories on these rosters was like huge, like down to like the low card people were like they were main eventers in one of these territories. That's true. You know what? That's a good topic of discussion real quick here. Yeah, because obviously your purists and traditionalists bemoan the death of the territory system is horrible. You know, Vince McMahon right. ruined wrestling. That's what we do. However, a lot of these guys that were at the top of their territory in freaking, you know, St. Louis or whatever, yeah. never would have been household names if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, never would have made the money they did mm-hmm. and performed on the stage they did and had enduring careers to this day. Yeah, I'm uh, again, you look at the rosters, especially in the WWF side more so than the NW, the NWA side was more established yep. Jim, within Jim Crockett guys. promotions. They would get guys. Sting being a yeah. notable one. Luger came up through the territory system. But the WWF, I mean, from the bottom to the top of the card was all guys who were established somewhere else. Hogan. Kurt Hennig. Kurt Hennig. Tito Santana. And I even down to like, Rick I want to say like Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man like, was in, uh, somewhere in the South. Yes, yeah, he was. JYD. Junkyard Dog, another one. Yeah. Jake Roberts. Right. All we, these guys were somewhere else and they were at the top of their game where they were. Butch Reed, who was like nothing in WWF, mm-hmm. he was like a huge deal in Mid-South. Right. Jim Duggan was a main eventer in Mid-South. Roddy Piper. Ted DiBiase. Yeah. Paul Orndorff in Florida, I believe. Yeah. Crush and... No, no. <laughs> that was a joke. Crush was actually from Don Owens' territory. All right, Brian Adams, American Ninja, you did exactly what you said you were going to do. That's absolutely right. I saw what I was going to do. There's a proof right here. I think so. You know who else was? Scotty Flamingo. Welcome to the House of Action, the Portland Sports Arena. Don Cross along with my co-host, Scotty the Body. Really? Raven came from Don Owen. I think he came That's from where Portland. He yeah, came from. I think so. And again, folks, we're not just to refresh you guys. Okay, we're not here to do hard hitting, absolutely accurate journalism. It's, yeah. it's an entertaining walk through this stuff. So and sure, call us out. This one's a confusing one, especially because there's a map and there's complex things. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you know, if if we're wrong about any of this, feel free to call us yeah, out let on us the know. boards. It's and, fine. Yeah, we we, we want to know. Actually, we we do want to know. You're. A lot of our fans probably know a lot more about this than we do. Yeah. But the bottom line is there that was one positive implication from a talent standpoint is that both Crockett and to a larger degree uh, WWF got so much talent that was able to perform before so many people. So many more people. So many more people. And exactly. I must, I must say this. There is one downside to all this. Whereas on the surface, it looks good. Oh, wow. These territories, the two big ones that are left are going to get like all this great talent. Yeah. That influx is only going to happen one time. That's true. One time ever, and this is it in the eighties. That's because, a good point. Because if there's if you do, if you get rid of all of them, yep, then they can't build up that talent to go into those territories. You big, know what, Quinn? The big guys anymore. That's a really good point. Another thing that should just be mentioned, I guess, real quick here is that. Japan was affiliated with the NWA, and we don't talk right. about Japan much. We we focus on stuff here, but all Japan and New Japan, I think both at various points were affiliated with the NWA. Right, um, New Japan until the early nineties, mm-hmm. and the territory system as it was, the one we're talking about, kind of came to a halt in ninety three when WCW 
who at that point was the largest member of the NWA. They were kind of the only member. Yeah. And New Japan both withdrew by then. Yeah. So by 93, that's generally agreed upon as the cutoff, the end of the territories. Yeah, and I would say this also um, on the Japan side of things. Yeah. They benefited from this hot period in sure. the 80s too. I mean, Tiger Mask, yeah. that whole stuff with Dynamite Kid, that would not have happened if there wasn't this exchange. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So the 80s were kind of a unique crossroads, if you will, where everyone around the world, United States, Japan, mm-hmm. Europe even, uh-huh. everyone was benefiting yes. from the system. I th- I want to say it was they were kind of benefiting from the system breaking down a little bit too because people were coming for jobs elsewhere. It was a very hot market. You know, yeah. you have the, yeah, you remember the dot-com bubble? Yeah. This was like the territory bubble. Yeah. It was. It was a hot market. It was a hotly contested thing where, where Vince and Crockett and then Turner, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, in, starting yeah. in 88, were trying to take their promotion national as fast as possible right. and not let anything get in their way and take whoever they could yeah. from wherever they could. Yeah. And you know who it was really good for? The oh. fan. Yeah, the fan. <laughs> it was great because you only had to go to... Maybe I'll say three places because if you count Japan, sure. If you wanted to get like tapes or something, sure. You only had to go to three places to see all the best talent from previously all in these other territories. Exactly. So it had an upside. The downside is you can never recreate more never. talent. Like no, that's you, the thing. You, after this initial thing, like I said earlier, you're done. Now, Quinn, what do you think overall? Because you know you have your people on one side saying how McMahon ruined things. You know, maybe even Crockett, you know, was was dicking around too much in the I think 80s. everyone was a little bit responsible. Even even the AWA to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean they were raiding too. Vern had withdrawn early on from the right. NWA, Vern Gagne, American Wrestling Association, and they he was also in on the talent exchange. I mean, he teamed up with Crockett at one point to try to compete against Vince. He's the one that got Hulk. He's the one that got Hulk from yeah. Vince Sr., yeah. Yeah. But what do you think overall because wrestling now is a completely different landscape and if you did a map now you can there put, is no map. You could put certain, you know, really small independent promotions on here. Yeah. But the, the difference is, is that these promotions during this period of time were all on TV. We're mm-hmm. all a big deal. Yeah. We're a part of one alliance, literally, the National Wrestling Alliance that had a world champion. Yeah, I will say this. It was a unique time, and it's tough because... On one hand, it brought everything to more people's attention. It did. Because you had national cable television with the big two in America, at least. Yeah, the exposure was huge. Uh, On the other hand, you lose the the aspect of anybody can really come up and make it. Sure. I don't know. I'm kind of like at a 50-50 with if if it should or should not have happened. I do see some opportunities today. Yeah. For something like this to happen in the age of the internet, I don't know if anyone's um a good enough business person to hmm. figure it out. But I I feel like there is still room. O- only recently now right. for somebody to carve out at least maybe not a territory as much as a audience on the internet. You know that's a fair point. I also want to pose this question to yeah. you. Without this collapse of the territory system, yeah, is Vince McMahon as successful because he doesn't have all that talent from these places? Without it? Yeah. No, not at all. That's a huge hypothetical. Had, yeah. Well, there would have been nothing to expand on. Right. Like, he wouldn't be expanding if he couldn't get rid of the territories. So, basically... It goes to, hand in hand. It does. Yeah. To, to close out the narrative for today, for this week, while Ted Turner is purchasing Jim Crockett promotions, 
And while Vince McMahon is enjoying some extremely unfathomable heights, yeah. I'm, ta- I'm talking 88, 89, 90, yeah. you know, primetime television with Saturday Night's main event and the main event, great mm-hmm. pay-per-view buy rates, lots of money. And Turner, you know, and they're finding their footing in WCW as a more national promotion by that point, right. starting to really try to compete with WWF for yeah, real. They they were stumbling and bumbling at the end of the 80s, right. but they... they they were more or less figuring out television distribution-wise sure. what they should be doing. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. While all this is going on, your world class closes down in 1990. Mm-hmm. The USWA is formed, which was a, a merger of Jerry Jarrett and Fritz von Erich, uh, and eventually just Jerry Jarrett running Another it. last-ditch effort. Correct. Um, a lot of the other territories were either closing or had already, like Don Owen and Portland, mm-hmm. a bunch of other ones, Continental. right? Continental. There's one entity, though, that is not a member of the NWA. We mentioned him. And his name is Vern Gagne. So what was going on with Vern? Well, the two big boys, Vince and Ted Turner, mm-hmm. were busy expanding. And the little boys were busy shutting down. What the hell was Vern Gagne up to? Back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a, have a statement i like to read. Now, contrary to what the World Wrestling Federation may like you to believe... I am not a hillbilly, and I don't wear cheap suits. Now, questions, please. Yeah, who's got uh, right, right here? Yeah. Billy Ted, isn't it true you and your four billion dollar conglomerate are trying to put the World Wrestling Federation out of business? I'm not going to answer that question. Next question. All right, all right, right here, right over here. Billionaire Ted. Yeah. Isn't it true you put your primetime imitation of Monday Night Raw head to head with Raw to hurt? The WWF. Yeah, you're uh, you're a pretty smart fella, aren't you? Yeah, good. Next question. Yeah, you're a young lady. Billionaire Ted, since you own networks, isn't it true you could have placed your primetime wrestling show on at another time, or even another night of the week? Don't you think the fans would have preferred that? Oh hell no! Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin. You're listening to our Vanish Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, here for episode number 54, Monday, October 23rd, 2017. As always, thank you so much for being with us. Quinn, you know what it's time for? Uh, Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, right? You're right, yes, yeah, you're okay. absolutely right okay. there. Nothing, nothing's changed. Nothing new. <laughs> and yeah. this is, of course, where each week we will put four of the best of something on Mount Rushmore, and four of the worst are going to go down in the desert of Death Valley, and I'm going to introduce today's topic. It is a fan request, Quinn. Is it? Yeah, it's from Chuck Mess, uh, oh. a frequent contributor on the Facebook group. A messy contributor. <laughs> this is a very messy topic. I think it is, too. <laughs> Remember, we both know what it is. Uh, so this is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... <laughs> 1995 WWF. Yeah. Aha! Now, <laughs> Quinn and I decided on this one today because how could you not? This, <laughs> this is, is a great this is topic. This too irresistible. Yeah. So thank you, Chuck Mess, for this mess. Yeah. Uh, Quinn, since I had the choice, you have the voice. So best things, huh? <laughs> yeah. Let's start with the best. <laughs> Boy. Woo. That's actually hard. No pressure. Okay. So I'm going to start with, honestly, personally, one of my favorite things of 1995. You might hate it. What? Whale and Mercy. 
lives are going to be in Waylon Mercy's hands. <laughs> I love it. Waylon Mercy was awesome. It was a great gimmick. I mean, it was short-lived. Yes. So it, it, is it Kurt Cobain syndrome? Where everyone remembers it fondly because it was so short. No, I thought it was good at the time. You did. I was, like, intrigued by it. Nine-year-old Michael Quinn thought it was good? Because I never saw the movie or whatever it was based off of. Basically, folks, if you don't know what Whale of Mercy is, because you might not, yeah. honestly, if you're a casual fan. Right. For, like, four months in 1995, Danny Spivey, the same Danny Spivey from the U.S. Express. Yes. Or the American Express. But he looked completely different. Mike Rotundo comes back with jet black hair and, like, a fake tattoo of a dagger on his head. and That, that was cool cool actually dressed in all white with a hawaiian shirt and it was a complete ripoff of max katie from cape fear uh the robert de niro adaptation yes because uh, cape fear is a much older movie from like 91 i think yes, or 90 or something 91 you're a lucky counselor my own daughter she don't even know me and he had very interesting promos very different for what was going on in 95 i'll, yeah. I'll say that hi people guess what it's Waylon mercy <laughs> Ain't it something? I'm out here on the beach, up here on the lifeguard stand. Now, I know you people must think that's kind of peculiar, but what the heck? Well, the mercy's out here protecting people from drowning and whatever. Cryptic promos that sort of belonged in ECW. In a way, yes. Yeah, like, it was really weird, and he would, like, shake the ref's hand yep. before he wrestled, yep. and, and, like, he seemed like a nice guy, and then he would become, like, a psychopath by the end of the yep. the match. With a sleeper was his finisher, and he had a crazy look on his face. And his music was, Excellent. like, totally different. Excellent yeah. music. A lot of people, actually, when Bray Wyatt first came out, compared Bray Wyatt to Waylon Mercy. A lot of similarities. And rightfully so. Yes. I'm, and... and that kind of goes to show you the Whale and Mercy character was way ahead of its time. And it's really a shame because I think it would have worked in the Attitude Era if it if it had hung on, if Danny Spivey hadn't gotten injured. I think so. Yeah, it was really awesome. All right, so that's a good one. I'm going to volley to you, though, okay? Sure. I, I do like that. That was yeah. a cool, bright spot or an interesting spot, at least, of 1995, yeah. definitely. But here's another one in terms of a wrestler, okay? Because okay. remember, this is anything, anything at all. Yeah. Goldust debuted in 95. Oh, yeah. Now who goes there? Somebody who claims to shine like that in the star. Against uh, Marty Janetti, I want to say it's some in your house. You're where he absolutely took the, right. Yeah. He took the wig off. I, I vividly remember <laughs> yeah. watching it because the vignettes went on for months. Yes, they and did. it was like, you know, remember the name of Goldust and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then but he always had the wig on, right? He did. So he comes out. And, you know, I thought he had long hair. Like, I, I just, I, I didn't put it together. And I was 10 at the time, and you were 9 at the time, and I didn't actually know that that was Dustin Rhodes Well, at the time. I was new to wrestling in right. general, so I didn't know who the hell Dustin Rhodes was. I knew him from WCW when he fought the bully, the blacked up bully, okay. so I actually knew who that was. So but, I didn't know. Right. Like, I was completely in the dark, so this guy comes out, yep. and he shockingly, I remember he was on the steps mm-hmm. or something, and he, and he looks, and he just slowly lifts the wig off, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Wait a minute, look at that! Bobby Gennetti and Goldust! Goldust charging Gennetti! What happened to his hair? Oh. You know what, though? as Because Goldust, as a debut, is great. Yeah. Um, he really didn't start to pick up traction, though, until 96 with the whole Razor Ramon angle and then the right. uh, Roddy Piper thing. And- well, they didn't go for the risque stuff at first. They more went he was for just the weird. He was weird, but he also would like quote movies. Like it was yes. supposed to be like he was ripped out of the celluloid or something. Was like, very, he was dressed like an Oscar statue. Yeah, you know, 
I it was a it's an interesting idea, but it didn't really. I feel like in 1995 it wasn't there yet. 96 it started to get weirder yeah. and pick up steam. So maybe we'll toss him to the side. Yeah, although there's another character too I want to bring up from sure. 95, Hakushi. Interesting character. I think he uh, he might have debuted in December '94, but we can let that slide if, yeah. if that's the case. I don't remember. I, I don't really recall him being any I don't part remember. of '94. But could have been on Superstars. Yeah, but regardless, yeah, he was there in '95 mainly. And uh, interesting because it was WWF bringing in a Japanese guy, which was rare. Back rare, then. yeah. Besides your stereotypes like the Orient Express. No, this guy was a worker. That was the thing. And he was very lazy in WWF, but he was still good. Yeah, he didn't really have to try. He no. was better than like 90% of the roster. He had but, a good match with Bret Hart. Yeah, so much so that they put him against Bret, and it was great. It was great. Right in yeah. your house, the first in your house. He had a great match against Bret. And I just thought the whole look was good, too, actually, because, again, you have to remember, I'm watching this as a kid. Yeah. I thought that this guy, like, literally tattooed his whole body <laughs> in writing, and I was like, what a badass. I thought so like, I, I was in... It's just impressive, right? It was, yes, absolutely. I will say this about 1995. As bad it is, as it is, they were throwing a lot of things at the wall. Sure. And most of it was shit, like the goon and all that crap. Yeah, well, Mantar. Yeah, Mantar and all that. But, like, there were some weird, like, things that just stuck out at me, and they never really did things like that ever again. You're you're right. They really tried a lot of things that year. Yeah. I think, you know what a good idea is, Quinn? There's there's a handful of really good pay-per-view matches and stuff like that in 95. Not a lot. Yeah. I think it's only fitting that we put probably the best one on Mount Rushmore, at least, which I would say, and you probably agree, is Brett versus Diesel from Survivor Series 95 for the world title. That was really good. Is that their um, best pay-per-view match, you think, in 95? I mean, there's Brett or uh, Sean versus Razor. SummerSlam. I personally like Brett versus Diesel better, though, I think. Yeah. Um, it's a great also, world wasn't title there match. Brett versus Diesel at the Royal Rumble? Yeah, which was also good, but the non-finish kind of hurt it. Yeah, the Survivor Series one was notable because I don't really recall thinking Brett was going to win the world right. title there. Like, I, I know, and and forgive us, you know, we were young. I, I was 10. Yeah, but the build didn't even it kind didn't of... seem like it. It didn't right? really <laughs> seem... I, I thought it was a surprise. Like, it's still considered a surprise to this day. Like, nobody really was expecting that. Well, I'm sure Dave Meltzer knew what was going to happen in that match. Well, but. <laughs> screw him. <laughs> but and then it led to Diesel's awesome tweener run for the right. rest of 95 into 96. Great wrestling match. Fun, dramatic, great time. And I yeah. would say that's probably the best wrestling match that they did in 95. Yeah, I can't even think of anything better than and, that. And yeah. if we're doing the best things of 95 WF, that's among them. Yeah. And it was really good. Yeah. All right, so w- want to put it in as number one? Mm-hmm. Brett Diesel, Survivor Series 95. Great match if you've never seen it. Check it out. All right, Michael, while well, we got Will and Mercy hanging in the balance, you got any other ideas here? I got one for you. Go ahead. Sonny. I'm Skip. And I'm Sonny. And we're the Body Donuts. Wow. Yes. Now, why? Why do you think? Why do I think? Because it was a shift in how women were presented on the on the show. And it was also the first time. Yeah. Since sensational Sherry left that you had a very charismatic woman. Right. But she was beautiful. That was the difference. Like Sherry was they made her look ugly. She was actually really pretty. Yeah, she was pretty. But she they they. Because she was heel, they made her look yeah. ugly. Whereas Sonny... Was a she's, heel. She's a heel. She's sexy. What the hell? Like, she's an asshole. She's a complete jerk. She was horrible. Yeah. And, you know, Tammy Sitch was... 
for a period of time in the late in the mid to late nineties, mm-hmm. not not a long time, a few years. Yeah, one of the most attractive women, right? I had ever seen in my life. Yeah, I mean, I went. You're a kid, but yeah. But even looking back, still very beautiful. She was. She was very attractive, and she was coming off being in Smoky Mountain. Yes, as Tammy Fitch. Yeah, you know, Tammy a Hillary Fitch. Clinton character. Type. Right. Remember and that? I've seen some of that stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. and the the character was rich girl uh-huh. who thinks she knows everything, and her idol's Hillary Clinton Pants just to suit. piss off everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's the thing: the body Donna's. The Skip and Sonny version from, I think they Mm -hmm. debuted in the spring of 95. Yeah. Until Sonny started doing the Godwins thing and then the smoking guns, she didn't really break out, but I guess the seed was planted, no pun intended. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I wouldn't say so because actually the whole Sonny being a big crybaby thing started really with the like Barry Horowitz situation. And then she got slopped later on, or was that 96? I think it's 96. Yeah, but but you're right. The Barry Horowitz thing. Yeah. Ah, That's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, Sonny up there with one of the best. Not a lot of good things happened in 95. There's not good things in this year. You're so right. Sonny actually stood out, and I think it's a di- it's a change. It's They were trying to launch or blaze. They were trying this wrestling woman kind of thing, yeah, which they work. now do now, which yeah. works. Yeah, it didn't work But the, the time, time no. it's the mid-90s. Yeah. People want like more risque things. Yeah. And the idea of a heel, beautiful woman was something not being done in the WWF at that point in time. It's a fair point, Quinn. I don't I don't know if I can put it on yet though. I really? don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, let's let's get back to the wrestling aspect of it for a second. Okay. There's no one really good pay-per-view. I think we can agree on that. There's no, no. like standout pay-per-view of 95. Not so it's at all. very tough to say. Now, would you say that there's it's worth saying, well, Sean Razor is a, another highlight of 95, the ladder I would, match. I would say so. Um, right? I mean... Yeah, it was essentially there to make a pay-per-view that sucked, not suck. <laughs> That's true. And it, and it delivered. It did deliver. It, it's not as good as the first one, in my opinion. I don't think so either. Some people Some say people it is. Do. Yeah. I don't either. That's one of the few... Or how about this? How about Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett for the IC? That was super fun. That is better. Yeah. In my opinion, because you knew Sean was beating Razor. It was just like a whatever. You knew Sean was beating Jeff But it was so sweet to see it happen. One, two, yeah! With my baby tonight is one of the best things of '95. Oh hell yeah! Do we even need to discuss that? Well, that song hold, hold is on one of the second. best things out of 1995. You know, you know what's getting very weird about this list? We're surprisingly like we have a lot of things on the <laughs> side right now. Like we have Hakushi and Whalen Mercy. I know it's hard and to then, compare like, apples Sunny, to. And then with my baby tonight and the ladder match. All right. Well, we've got one thing on there, and it's the best pay-per-view match, right? Brett right. versus Diesel. So that's out of the way. I have to take a moment to pause for two seconds to yes. say this. We must be the only people mm-hmm. in the world who can find any bright spots in 1995. <laughs> yeah, like, we what welcome, are we doing here? What we welcome other years, you know, yeah. for you to challenge us on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Quinn. Sonny, Wella Mercy, Hakushi. Those yeah. are people, right? Yeah, right. Then we also have Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett. Right. For the IC title, we have the With My Baby Tonight song, which I love. It's great. The best thing Jim Johnston ever did. I want to put that on as number two. I love that song. It was so <laughs> catchy. Really? Is that really number two? I think it's better than Hakushi. I have to say, okay, I can't <laughs> I can't in good conscience put that as number two if we don't put Sean Razor ladder match before that. Would you put Sean Razor ladder match above Sean Jarrett? Yes. All yes. Right. I, I, it was just better. I could I could I like the match, the the other one, the Jarrett one too, but Sean Razor's better. Okay, so for number two, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon ladder match SummerSlam ninety five.
All right, so now we're getting somewhere. We got okay. two left. And also, yes. I, I can't not mention this because this is what made me a fan for life. Yeah. Sean winning the Royal Rumble at number one. Yeah, that's the thing. I know the Rumble sucked, but it it, it's more the idea. The, the, the idea in the moment. Yeah. I would just say this. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he was so good. Just Shawn Michaels is one of the best things of 1995. Here's the thing. He almost carried that year. Him he and He did Brent. almost carry the year. However, he he didn't have great matches every pay-per-view, and I feel like he wasn't around sometimes. Um, well, let's do it. The Rumble is fine, and it's not that great. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania against Diesel was pretty good. Yeah. Then he the Jarrett thing. In your house. Uh, in July, it was, yeah. was really good. The SummerSlam one was really good. The two dudes with attitudes in September was fun. It was fun. It was a novelty. October, he... Had he uh, had any injury because of the Syracuse? Yeah, November he was like on the wild card team in Survivor Series. Oh yeah, that and, I totally forgot about that yeah. the wild card team thing. And then December, I don't even know if you know, he wasn't wrestling in December because yeah. of the concussion angle. So he was pretty prominent though. I'd the, say the Royal Rumble rather than his whole year was probably like other than the ladder match was the other best thing. Yeah, I mean, the, you know what? The '95 Rumble might be the best pay per view. Yeah, of '95. Yeah, it might be. Because you got a really good Razor Jarrett opener. Mm -hmm. You have the Brett Diesel match on there is really good. Right. Shawn Michaels winning is a great moment. Even the tag match with the kid and Holly. Was that a tournament thing? It was a tournament final. Kid and Bob Holly versus Tatanka and Bam Bam. Not bad. Yeah. It's not like horrible. It's probably the best pay-per-view. I don't know if I want to put it on just yet because there's another little thing that I think can be mentioned also. For number three? Okay, what do we got? The forming of Owen Hart and Yokozuna at WrestleMania. Yeah, that, fuck it. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that because of the way Owen was so, like, coy and dicky about winning this. It was so funny. It was great. And the whole idea that he gets Brett's nemesis (laughs) to be his, like, partner. (laughs) And he thinks he's, like, so good about it. And to be fair, it revitalized Yokozuna. It revitalized Yokozuna. It gave Owen Hart a great, like, start to Something his... Something to do in 1995, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, because that laid the groundwork for the really good Owen and Bulldog team the following year. Yes. It showed that Owen could well, be... Well, wasn't it basically formed at the Two Dudes with Attitudes thing? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And it showed that Owen could be just as successful and fun and entertaining in a tag team as he had been as a singles. And he wasn't really involved with Brett. No, not anymore. Yeah. Not, not after that. Yeah. Now he comes to one, two... Oh. I love that moment. I love them beating the smoking guns. The it crowd loved it, too. Yeah, everyone's like, this is great. You, you want to put that in as number three? It is really good. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. This is our opinion. This is our yeah. vantage point. All right, so for number three, Owen Hart and Yokozuna uh, forming their team and then beating the guns at WrestleMania 11. <laughs> and I suppose I should mention that at any time, let us know your thoughts. You can tweet at us, email us, or of course... Go on that Facebook group and let us know what you think the best and worst things of 95 were. I think we got a slobber knocker for number four here because we got, we do, we need to like start narrowing this down. We got, yeah. we got the Hakushi. We got the Whale and Mercy. Right. We got the Sunny. Mm-hmm. We have the Royal Rumble in general. Right. Yeah. The 95 uh, Rumble. The 95 Rumble. Uh-huh. Yeah. <sighs> what else was really that good? Not much, right? Not much. Standout thing. I mean, Brett had that good match against Pierre. <laughs> Stop. Triple H debuted, but he didn't matter. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. What, didn't he do the slot match at that at some point yeah, in that December year? December of ninety five. Yeah, the match right. where the hog pen or whatever. Yeah, Ahmed Johnson debuted. 
Sorry. Um, <laughs> the, the look Quinn gave me. I was sar- I was being sarcastic. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson, get out of here. You know what? Oh, Goldust. Gold, yeah, but he... Here's the thing. It's Debut is one thing, but did they matter in the year in which they debuted? Goldust yeah. really didn't. He didn't yeah. matter yet. But to be fair, we we do like Whale and Mercy a lot, and we're putting it above that. We are True. by just considering it. Sonny didn't matter too much in 95 either, yeah, I would say. Yeah, but I would say... To a lot of little boys, well, that's she true. was she was a very big deal. Well, and guess, teenagers as well. You're right, and I guess her debut, Quinn, was like you said earlier. It was the start of women being treated differently. Without Sunny, there's no Sable. Right. Without Sable, there's no Deborah. No like Trish. That version. That. And then probably yeah. no Trish. And a lot of you know Lita and all that stuff. She was the first superstar woman they had ever had. I think. I'll put it to you this way. I mean, in, really, in 1995, yeah. they had two main women. They had Alondra Blaze. And they had Sonny. And Sonny didn't even wrestle. And Ever. people cared way more about Sonny than they did Alondra Blaze. You know what? I think we got to give Sonny her due. Tammy Sitch here. It was good. She is a... She was... I, I have to put it in past tense. For a few years there, she was extremely talented performer. And she knew how to get on people's nerves. She was so good. And be a, cute at the same time. Yeah. Like, I love the fact... And I don't know if it was in 95, maybe it was late 95, but she would like with Phineas, like yeah. all that stuff. Well, she, it was 96, but. But she was already doing that kind of thing in 1995. Like that was her whole MO is I'm cute. I'll distract you. Yeah. And then I'm a jerk. Like she's you no, know? she's no Sherry Martell, but no one is. Yeah. But, but she, she did something different than Sherry Martell did. It was a totally different t- type of thing. I know, but I'm just talking in terms of overall ability. She's not Sherry Martell, but I'll tell you what Sable wishes she had a 10th of the charisma and talent that Sonny did. I agree. That's bullshit. All Sable had was fake tatas. If it wasn't for drugs, Sonny yep. probably would have gone on to be like the yeah. best diva. Honestly, yeah. yes. And she did make the Hall of Fame and everything, yeah. but her legacy, you know, is somewhat diminished due to various things. And you can and look up all those things on the internet listen, if you want I'm, to. We've seen Scott Hall come back to prominence, so sure, sure. anything can happen. Yeah. You know, so anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation, Quinn. Which was a very common saying in nineteen ninety five. Do you want to put Sonny in? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it's fair. I'm fine with it. So for yeah. number four, Sonny. All right. Well, that is our Mount Rushmore of nineteen ninety five WWF, but I cannot wait to throw out one of the worst, Quinn. And there's really no arguing this, I don't I, I think. Okay. King of the Ring ninety five. Yes. The one of the worst pay-per-views they had ever done. Mabel. Mabel in general, yeah. yes, is part of that. But I'd say the whole freaking King of the Ring. Mabel is back! Good night, King Mabel! King Mabel! All I can say is it sucks! It sets a tone for 1995 that there's no coming back. Right. That's the thing. When people think the the shit that was 1995, that's one of the immediate things they think of, Quinn. Yep. Now, you know what was so bad about this pay-per-view? I mean, we talked about it a little on our King of the Rings special back in June. Yep. Mabel won it. (laughs) That's the main bad thing. Horrible. But not only that, you get Shawn Michaels going to a draw with Kama. Yeah, that sucked. (laughs) Like, why didn't Shawn Michaels just win? Like, why know. didn't he just win? <laughs> I don't know. Bro. I know they, 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 like, King of the Ring winners got to face somebody at SummerSlam. Just don't do that, then, if you want to do it at WrestleMania. Just, he won the King of the Ring, great. Oh, God. Or have Razor Ramon win it or something. Right. And then, or The Undertaker. Anybody, yeah, The Undertaker's in this tournament. How did those three not win? Because 
1995 WWF. It's insane. This is the same pay-per-view where Bret Hart was fighting Jerry Lawler again, you know, in a kiss-my-foot match. And not only that... I the, mean, that wasn't that bad, actually. The wor- I'm just saying status-wise yeah. for Bret. And the world champion, Diesel, was in a tag match teaming up with Fire Crotch Bam Bam Bigelow mm-hmm. against Sid and Tatanka. <laughs> Tatanka main evented King of the Ring okay, 1995. Put it, in, put it in. Thank you very much. Here it comes. Die, die, die. There's no talking our way out of that one. I have to say something about 1995, and I think this might be a nomination. Yeah. The main event scene in general, because while you have The Undertaker, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, mm-hmm. most of these guys, they're not in the main event all year. It's Sid and Diesel. Ugh, that is true. A lot and of that. Mabel. The summer was occupied with Diesel versus Sid, Diesel versus Mabel. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. Diesel as champion, though, Quinn, is another thing. I mean, that he that he's the reason the main event scene sucked. Yeah, but why couldn't he face The Undertaker, Razor Ramon, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels? That's true. He bookended the year against Bret, but that was it. And he fought Shawn at... One time. One time. But they they had all these, like, pay-per-views, and most <laughs> they, they of them a lot he of faced them, yes. crust. Yeah, that's true. Or he was in tag matches in the other ones. And that Bulldog match in October was awful. Yeah. October 95 in your house, Mm -hmm. hideous. Now, Quinn, where where does Lawrence Taylor fit into all of this? Your thoughts? Um, I don't think it's Death Valley. I don't either. It it gave them a lot of exposure in a good way, and it wasn't the worst match I've ever seen. But I would say that WrestleMania 11 is a contender for Death Valley because as an overall pay-per-view, it's really bad. But it, it, I don't think it's worse than King of the Ring. It's not. Okay, we'll yeah, just, let's like, limit it to King of the Ring on pay-per-views, okay? Yeah, yeah. And how about this? Dean Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> just Dean Douglas, the, the entity that was Dean Douglas. It's something that... It was horrible. Quinn. It's, it's such a waste. Thank you. Definition. Knowledge. The sum of what is known. You know why it sucks? Go ahead. It's not so much the character as much as what it's coming from it's the fact that shane douglas Mm -hmm. and i'm actually watching ecw again joe believe it or not i've been Mm. watching like up to up to 1995 i'm in 1995 right now and he's like right before he's like about to come to wwf Ugh, really and he's awesome of course like he's in the triple threat with dean malenko and chris oh censored uh yeah no 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 shane douglas was good still this but i'm saying he was really peaking at this point and the wwf gets him and he's a teacher what the why hell was he a teacher why couldn't he just be the franchise because vince because vince quinn because vince thinks that he has to put his fucking stamp of shit on everything you know what vince should have done with him not I, hired him i'm freaking serious what he should have made a deal with paul that he brought the ECW title and they blurred it out just like with Flair. Too forward thinking for 1995. Vince didn't realize how big ECW was until King of the Ring when he was getting those chants because I was in Philly. Vince didn't fucking know. He didn't know. He did know this. What? Is that he technically was the uncrowned NWA champion and he could have just did that shit over yeah, here. I don't know if he would have done that though, but Dean Douglas stunk. They may hope for an A. In all likelihood, they'll receive an F. Yeah, the character. It was horrible. It was an awful idea. I will. I will say this: in the vignettes, Shane Douglas tries his hardest. Like he really does to get it over. Yeah, yeah. He does. He. It's not like it's for any like 
it's not his fault. Let's put it that way. No, but it was just a bad idea. And no. then, of course, when yeah. he wrestles, he's got the stupidest attire on. Right, and he gets handed the Intercontinental title immediately. Remember, he's the Intercontinental champion for like one second. Oh yeah, that's my that that's going to the Death Valley. Shawn Michaels uh, getting beat up. <laughs> that's that, and then the video package all the time. He got beat up by Army Men or something. That, remember that whole Shawn Michaels concussion angle? Tell me a lie. <laughs> no, just you know no. I, it you know what sucked. I, you know what I don't like about it? It's what? like. Why couldn't they just, like, write him off TV and just be like, he got hurt or something? Why was there this whole, like, the music video? Why did they have to say he got beat up by people? I mean, it happened, so I, I know, guess they- just don't say that. Tell me a lie. He's like one of the people you want to market, and you're saying he got beat up by civilians in wrestling terms. <laughs> it's true, though. You know, thugs. Thugs, yeah, they say. They say thugs. It was but really... it doesn't matter. Wrestlers are never supposed to... Get, like, they're supposed to be... Like, anybody in the crowd, even if they're bigger than them, they're supposed to be, like, slobs compared to the guys on the ring. And, and it's, you know, it sounds better saying thugs than the real story, which was Sean was being an asshole yeah. and high on yeah. drugs and probably drunk. And then he just got the shit kicked out of him <laughs> for being an asshole. Right. You know, that's all it was. It yeah. was like he instigated it. Which, you know, I can't say he was the, fir- the first to do that or anything. I mean, yeah. in the 80s, guys were doing that shit all, all the time. The time. Yeah. But in terms of the worst things of 1995, we have to bring up Mantar. Man- There's no justifying Mantar. No. <laughs> Like, honestly, think about it. Yeah. What were they going for? Like, what was the end game here with a guy that's supposed to be a bull? He's half man, half bull. Or half half tar. tar. Sorry. (laughs) But, like, why? Why did they do that? That's one of the most frustrating things, because I saw that shit live, and it was horrible. I saw it every week on Superstars, but I just... I guess I just never really thought anything of it. It just seemed like any other, like, stupid gimmick guy that would get beat up every week. (laughs) You're really not going to let me put this in? All right, fine. How about Eh. Stephanie Wyand? Welcome to Live Event News New York. I'm Stephanie Lyon. Now, the most shocking news of the week, of course, is the Devil J. Jeff Jarrett is replacing Mr. Bob Backlund in the match against Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Yeah, she was pretty bad. Um, Her Sally Field hair. Yeah. Her hair was so bad, Joe. She was annoying. What about just, like, Todd and Stephanie's hair? Todd's mullet? Yeah. And Stephanie Lyon's Jill Taylor hair for number two? (laughs) Just their hair? Their hair. Wait, 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 wait. Why not? I don't know. You said it. I feel like we could find, we could dig up worse than that. What can, what else you got? King Kong Bundy with eyebrows. Yeah, it's bad too. Yeah. That's that's true. What about when the, the ref at WrestleMania 11, the ump, the oh, ump at WrestleMania, the ump. Larry Young. Yeah. What about, what about uh, Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund at WrestleMania 11? Mm. <laughs> right? Oh God, there's so much shit, Joe. That's really bad. I feel like we're getting backed up. Like we got to hit the plunger here. Fantasio. <gasps> That magician Yo, thing. Yo, that was horrible. That's going that in, right? That was so bad. Okay. The first Coming time we've seen... Oh! Wow, did you see that? He turned that candle into a walking stick. Very nice. Fantasio. Making his way to the ring. His debut. That's just a mockery of wrestling. Right. Like, that's not a, that should never have been on television. Should we agree for number two, Fantasio? Yeah, okay. Fantasio. Number two, Fantasio. Die, die, die. This was in a review we did a few episodes back on, a, I forget what we were reviewing. I think some Challenge or something. Or, or some nonsense. And he pulls like tape out of his mouth or he's, something. He's like a magician thing, but I don't know what he was. I, it was there really. There was a lot of that going on. I don't know what he is. It was, <laughs> exactly. It was just really, really bad. What about Barry Horowitz beating Haku? That sunk wow. him. Yeah, you that, know what he did. That sunk Hakushi. Like he 
Oh, that still pisses me off to this day. I actually think, Quinn, that the Barry Horowitz run sucked. Actually, I didn't like it. Dealing with Skip was fine. You think? Because that was kind of Chris Candido. If you saw what he did in um, Smoky Mountain, Mountain, he was that kind of character. I know he was. So it made sense that he would get embarrassed by somebody. He, he was always getting embarrassed. That was his M.O. Right. And I don't know. I just feel with him, it was fine. But once it leaked over to Hakushi, who was red hot, and it just buries him, like that's an actual, honest to God, burial of a character. I don't know. Yeah, you might be right. Because he. Then they turn him face. Prior to that, he was great. Yeah. He was like actually a real threat. You're right. Uh, you know what I think is worse, though? It just is a because it lasted longer and it lingered and it was awful in, in all of 95. What? The Million Dollar Corporation. Oh, that's the wor- one of the worst things of 95. Okay. Hands down. Let's let's. <laughs> this is the shit that's in there. First of all, you got comma with the Undertaker's urn melted around his neck, neck. thing. Oh, God, yeah, comma. You got King Kong Bunny with the eyebrows. Awful. You got Tatanka all fat and shitty. He's horrible. Yeah, like he doesn't even care anymore. You have part of it like Bam Bam who gets embarrassed and loses to a football player. Yeah, and then Bam Bam wanders off into the flames. IRS who... Just nondescript. It's IRS. Who cares? And DiBiase with the windbreaker on. Yeah, the windbreaker, DiBiase. Sid. Sid. Sid was like the crowning achievement, and it was the worst (laughs) version of Sid you could possibly imagine. It made Sid bad. How do you fuck up Sid? Look at him. I know, right? Look at him. He should kill anybody. He should have killed anybody. He was like, I seriously consider him like the Brock Lesnar of his day, because he's huge. Yeah. He's huge and threatening. And very interesting, very oddly charismatic, you yeah. know, in his own way. Yeah. As they proved a year later during his good run in 96 right. and exactly. 97 when he was really fun. Yeah. But 95 Sid is the worst. And the Million Dollar Corporation, all they did was feud with, like, The Undertaker all year and, mm-hmm. and try to win the title and from Diesel. Diesel and yeah. it was just, I hated it as a kid. Yeah. And not, like, in a heel way. I just thought it was boring. <laughs> it ate up a lot of time and every single person involved was shitty. Right. So... That way, also, we can at least get King Kong Bunny with eyebrows not in, in, the, in the Death Valley. Somehow. Fair enough. So yeah. for number three, the yeah. Million Dollar Corporation, right. here it goes. Die, die, die. You know, I mean, honestly, Quinn, Diesel is mm. one of the worst things in 95. He is. Let's be real. Um, as far as a performer, he's not that bad. Um, no. To be fair to, to him. To be fair to him, he's yeah. not. He's he, really not he's that bad. He's okay. Yeah. And he starts the year and ends the year with really good matches. With yes, Sean he bookends with the year with great matches. And he's got the Sean match. Yeah. You're right. He's not, as a wrestler, he's and not two, bad. And like we said, the two dudes was fun. It's fun, yes. Yeah. It's whatever, right? Um, Overall, yeah. he couldn't carry the belt. No. And it was a mistake to have him be the champion for as long as they did. Yeah, because they had the belt on him for a year. Right. Like literally a full year, November yeah. of 94 to November of 95. Way too long. Yeah. They didn't need to do that. He should have dropped it at SummerSlam, but like to Sean, who won the King of the Ring or something. That would have made sense. And yeah. then maybe they could have turned him heel a little earlier or Just turned him tweener Sean, earlier. Sean versus Brett at WrestleMania for the title, but it's on Sean instead. Just something like that. I don't know. And it's, now we're getting yeah, any, All I'm saying is anything would have been better than that. What if he would have the... just dropped it to Brett at SummerSlam? Just yeah. bump it up a few months. You know or what I mean? Fuck it. Raise a Ramon and then he loses it to Brett at Survivor Series. Something. Anything. Something. That's yeah. fine with me too. Yeah. Savio Vega also debuted in 95 and never went away for like years. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson debuted in 95. To be fair to Savio in 95, yeah. he was actually like, people kind of liked him. Kind like, of. He wasn't, there, nobody had a problem with Savio Vega in 1995. What about Glass Table Action Zone? Hello, 
everybody, and welcome to the Action Zone. Smile and Doc and the Todster, and we want to wish all the moms out there a very happy Mother's Day. <laughs> With Todd and Doc. What about Doc? Doc Hendricks in general? Okay. I'll put that in. With his stupid member in the event center with his face on the board in the back. <laughs> was so obnoxious. He was basically like inherited the event center that year. Yeah, but he wasn't. And Stephanie Wyand's worse if we're going to talk worse. about television personalities. Uh, Stephanie Wyand. Was Donnie Brook theater in 1995? I think so. <laughs> but that didn't <laughs> That was air. so bad it didn't even air. Yeah. Stephanie uh, Wyand? Mm. Think about it. Think about it. Oh, it doesn't seem bad enough. Like, this is a bad year, Joe. Is, you're telling me we can't find anything worse than that? Stephanie Wyand. I feel like we could mine 1985 for more than Stephanie Wyand. Hey, I, I was still on, on the Mantar train there because I thought Mantar's that was pretty bad. hideous. Alex. Uh, was the goon in? in not the goon. <laughs> not, stop saying the no, goon. It's I'm 96. Not th- no, I'm not thinking of the goon. The, the, what's the guy with the baseball? Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. 94. Ah. <laughs> Steve Lombardi. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm highly leaning towards Stephanie Wyand or Mantar at this point. Or Diesel. The Diesel run. The Diesel title run, really. Okay. That defined 1995, yes. Quinn. You okay. know what? We I'm have gonna, to do okay. that. Okay. I'm going to go with the Diesel, and I'll tell yeah. you my, my final reason as to why. All right. Let's see. It is the root cause of why every single other thing sucks. That year. Because yes. it's it's in the center, yep. and everything's at full stop yep. to make this guy good. And because it's at full stop, there's nothing great that can happen. Because right. nobody can elevate because they're waiting for Diesel to get over. Right, and that's why Brett's in the mid-card, which is fine. He's, he doesn't have to be the main event all the time, but and he was, he yeah, was good. I want to make it perfectly clear yes. that it has nothing to do with Diesel's work rate. No, I mean, he was adequate. Yeah. He wasn't a standout. He wasn't great, but he wasn't the worst champion ever in terms of a wrestling ability. He was yes. okay. Yes. That's yeah. what I want to say, because I think a lot of people put it like they kind of retroactively act like he stunk at wrestling. He was smart in the way that yeah. Hogan was smart. Yeah. He didn't do more than he needed to. Right. So, hey, I mean, that, he's... And got he would show up when he needed a good match. Every right to do that, right? Yeah. And the other problem is also not his fault is Vince neutered his character. Right, he was so cool in 1994, like, he was loved, and I liked him. Yes. If I got that guy in 1995, it probably would have been a completely different year. Right. But you're right, though, Quinn. He, his reign is the basis for the rest of the year. Let's not say Diesel, but Diesel's title reign for Diesel's number Diesel's title reign for number yeah. four. I think that's fair. Because of that reign... You had Brett in the mid-card. You had the million-dollar corporation being had, the main heels. You had Bam Bam Bigelow versus Lawrence Taylor as the main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. There was just a lot of things that stemmed from that. Yeah. Like Tatanka main event. You had Mabel winning the King of the Ring basically to, to fight, fight Diesel. Diesel. Yeah. That's why that happened. Yeah. All right. So Diesel's title reign, I think, is a clear number four. Let's put yeah. it in. Die, die, die. Well, that is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of 1995 WWF. Chuck Mess, thank you very much. That was a great freaking <laughs> that was, suggestion. That was a fun one. I had a, I had a good time with that one. So did I, and we hope you guys did too. Of course, you can let us know whether you agree, disagree, want to bring up something that we totally forgot to mention. There's a lot of stuff in 95. Yeah, I, I feel like our Death Valley is probably not even complete, really, because oh, no. there is so much bad stuff. There's so much bad stuff. So let us know, and you can, of course, do that by tweeting at us, emailing us, or go to the Facebook group and join the hijinks. But, Quinn, when we come back, we're going down south. Well, maybe the middle of the south. Yeah. Back after this. Welcome to the world premiere of Donnybrook Theater. Act one. 
take one. Folks, our story begins on the hottest day of the year in Dry Gulch, Texas. 110 in the shade, not even the bugs were moving. But inside the good, the bad, and the ugly saloon, they didn't know what the temperature was. They were dancing, they were singing, they were drinking, they were celebrating. That is until two desperados from the wild, wild west rode into town on their trusty steeds, Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna. Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna strolled into the good, the bad, and the ugly saloon, met by the beautiful barmaid. It was a hot and very dry trail they had just come off, and the men were coughing. The men were coughing and wheezing. Time to stop, okay? No more. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys. Let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us. Quinn, we're reviewing something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good reaction, actually. Yeah, we are. Uh, folks, here's what we're reviewing. We're, we're reviewing something from Mid-South, uh, their television show from October 27th, 1983. Now, we mentioned earlier that Bill Watts' Mid-South in the 1980s was a pioneer in terms of storytelling, wrestling, uh, serial drama. This is not an example of that whatsoever. I will say there is something serial about it, but it takes really long. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah. Now, what was Mid-South? Well, it actually grew out of something that, believe it or not, Leroy McGurk, the father of Mike McGurk, used oh. to own NWA Tri-State back uh-huh. in the 50s. Bill Watts bought this promotion in 1979. He came through the door. And he... Well, I not like a lad. Yeah. Now, when Bill Watts ran this promotion, it was very well respected. People loved it. It was a trendsetter. This episode just happens to be a clunker of an example <laughs> of that. They were finding their footing still. This is 83. And I swear, we didn't look for like... No. The, it's not like we typed in Google, give us the worst episode of Mid-South. <laughs> this I, was random. Yeah. Totally random. We just wanted something from the early-ish 80s. Yeah. 85, 86, Bill Watts stuff. Really, really good. It was eventually renamed, folks, the Universal Wrestling Federation. Not to be confused with the Herb Abrams promotion of the <laughs> early 90s. Which we also reviewed. We Yes, we did. And uh, Jim Crockett wound up buying this from Bill Watts in 1987. But right now, we're October 27th, 1983, so just about 34 years ago to the day. Wow. And we have a very acceptable intro, Quinn, except Afa. Yes. It, and it's basically every 80s intro. It's like flying boxes of wrestling, basically. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Flying yeah. boxes of wrestling. Maybe yeah. Tim, Mr. Wrestling Woods. I can't tell. Yeah, or Mr. A, Wrestling 2. And like, you know, that kind of be like, like synthesizers all over the place. It's like Sega Master System music. Yeah, basically, you know, the system of the day. Exactly. We are welcome to the show by Boyd Pierce, who is a million and three years old. Wrestling fans, welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce. Yeah, he, he <laughs> remarks about how he's been doing this a long time. Yeah, and Bill Watts, who I guess just returned from a meeting, they say. Now, Boyd here has a very orange jacket and matching tie and coat. Yep. He looks ridiculous. Black shirt. He, Old he, man. You know who he looks like? Um, That Pumpkins guy that Tom Hanks played, <laughs> Edward J. Pumpkins. I don't remember his full name. He just looks like a pumpkin, like a rotting pumpkin. Yeah. And he it bas- is near Halloween. It is. He basically was on this two-minute speech. 
about how great this promotion is and how long he's been doing this. Like, holy crap, just shut up. But it gets better. <laughs> it gets worse, you <laughs> exactly. mean. Exactly. Bill Watts has the North American title with him. And the belt, by the way, looks like it's made from saw blades. <laughs> it's razor blades it's or something. It's awful looking. <laughs> so apparently there's this big scandal about someone making their own matches. <gasps> That's what this is about? This whole preamble, it, yes. By the way... I would say we're about the five-minute mark yeah. of them explaining this at this point. Four or five-minute mark, but it's like Boyd here is just rambling. He's like, I've been doing this for so long, and you know, the NWA and Mid-South, we stand behind our fans, and we, we are here for our fans, and then Bill Watts starts talking yeah. about how there's this big scandal. So literally, we're sitting here like assholes for five minutes, and these two guys are rambling on. I want to tell you something. Through those years, I have been with organizations, with federations, associations, and alliances, it's horrible. Apparently, Hacksaw Butch Reed is the culprit. <laughs> Bill Watts says Jim Dugan a million times. And this is a recurring theme, and we'll get to it. Dugan and Magnum PA. Oh, is he brother yeah. love? What is this, Jim He's Dugan? He's Duganing all over the all over this show. Like <laughs> he is. He's just Duganing all over this place. He's just letting his Dugan out. <laughs> and he's very mad about this Butch Reed making his own matches situation. So anyway, we clip to Dugan and JYD in the ring, and the fans basically have to decide who they want to face Butch Reed. Right. But for some other reason, Magnum TA and Neidhart are in the ring. Right. The crowd picks JYD, apparently. Mm -hmm. Watts, back to Watts, he rambles on and on, and then we clip to him now interviewing Hacksaw Butch Reed. <laughs> what the fuck? This is boring. Sorry. What the fuck? Watts says Dugan again. When's the wrestling, Joe? Oh, it didn't happen yet. They have picked the junkyard dog. You're eliminating the dog, Dugan, and Darso, and Ma you're selecting Magnum TA. And then we see this scandalous moment. Reed says he's picking Magnum TA. Now, remember, the crowd picked JYD. Right. It wasn't his pick. But Reed's like, no, I want to fight Magnum. That is what Bill Watts is all upset about. We're at like minute nine now, okay? Uh. Reed rambles on. And you said to me, Quinn, no wonder he needed the manager. Yeah, he is really a bad talker. He cannot talk. I'm I, sorry. I can't believe he like headed up a promotion. <laughs> he really can't talk. The only formidable opponent that I have with any credentials in the wrestling ring. Then we get a clip of Reed and Magnum facing each other with special referee JYD. This is a clip. This isn't live, okay? Why are wrestlers refing matches? I don't like that, especially when they're, like, involved in the title picture because yeah, wouldn't true. he, like, fix it for himself? You know what? That's a very good point. Like, what if Magnum's not as good a wrestler right. and JYD's like, oh, I'll just make Magnum the win so yeah. I can beat him. Yeah. Plus, it's a conflict of interest. But you also wondered why when a wrestler is a ref, they're like all of a sudden really weak. Yeah, they're just paper. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they basically like get the ref's health bar. Yeah. They like obtain that health bar. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so JYD, hey, he does help out Magnum from a top rope elbow by Reed. Like he covers Magnum. Mm -hmm. Because reads reads on the top rope. Yep. Top rope moves because it's Bill Watts are illegal. Of course. <laughs> Somehow we've entered like WCW in like ninety one or whatever yeah. the fuck, and it's here in eighty three. Uh, so Dog covers Magnum. Then he punches Reed the next time Reed tries to do it. Magnum gets the pin, but it should have been a DQ, see, because really twice reed came off the top rope twice yeah so we go back to orange jacket and watts and they're continuing 
to talk about this thing. So apparently, Mid-South demanded that the tapes of this match be sent to Tampa for review. <laughs> Who's in Tampa? I don't know. And Who's but, reviewing but it over who, there? But... Why did that Tampa need to see it? You could see it if you is were it, there. Is that like the NWA tape center or something? <laughs> like the tape division? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But apparently I don't that, know. <laughs> apparently that review didn't do any good because Magnum is now challenged by Nikolai Volkov in New Orleans. Yeah, he just wanders in. Out of nowhere. Magnum accepted, but you gotta bear in mind... He's not allowed to accept matches because the wrestlers don't get to make their own matches, Quinn. Are we still talking about this? Yes. This is crazy. <laughs> so we get a Volkov promo. He looks to be a very young 48. <laughs> and that's kind is... of awesome. Now, Marlon P.A., we make... I have this match with you now. But let's go make this match. Put your title there. The best part of the show, right? Yeah. The so vo- far? He's he's really good. He actually does look, and I was being sarcastic about the 48, he does look younger than usual, though. Yes, he, he does. look spry. He, he looks great here. He's not like saggy Volkov from yeah. like 88, you and know like, what I mean? He can't move right. or something. Pudgy, doughy Volkov. Yeah. He's in shape here. Then, yes, we're still clipping around. We clip to Magnum and this shitty title belt. Mm-hmm. He loves this belt, and he says he's going to shut up Volkov. Yep. Then he says JYD's officiating was fair. And that can happen to anybody on a given day, as I proved right here when I won this title with the fair officiating my good old JYD. What? Like, he's not being ironic. That's he insane. actually says it, like, seriously. Yeah. He's like, that was fair officiating by JYD. Like, really? What kind of face is this? I don't, that bullshit face, yeah. that's what it is. He also looks extra more than usual, like the best friend in the wedding singer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know that that's how Magnum looks in general. Right. But for some reason, his, like, hair has a certain level of, like, fluffiness yeah. that reminds me of the guy or, from the wedding singer. Or according to the NWA and, like, Jim Crockett promotions, he looked like Tom Selleck. I don't... I never, I never saw, saw that. Yeah, I never saw that either. Tom Selleck did not look like this guy. No. He had a mustache. It's the that's only similarity. It, it, but, but his hair is blonde. Yeah, and it's the 80s. A lot of people had mustaches. Yeah. <sighs> then... We have to go back to Bill Watts here. He explains that in New, or- New Orleans, Quinn, mm-hmm. Volkov won that match against Magnum. And he, <laughs> this he, title that's not even like officially yeah. with this other guy has already switched hands. So he won the belt, and we get a very happy promo with Volkov now he's wearing all jolly. the belt. Yeah. And he's like, I'm the Russian champion now. Yeah. Now back to Orange Guy and Bill Watts. Still, still talking about this. <sighs> with the big decision, Quinn. Here's here's the big decision for Mid South. There's a couple parts to it. Number one, you ready? Yeah. No champion is allowed to make his own matches. They already said that. <laughs> Literally, like ten minutes ago. They they did. Like what the hell? They take us through this whole like whiplash of clips. I kid you not. We're like we were like counting. We kept like bringing up the like thing that shows you how long you know yeah, you know what the, i'm talking the, about the like bar basically yeah, on the, the apple tv right and literally we're like 12 minutes in only for watts to say that no champion is allowed to make his own matches and after again. that whole explanation he's like extra pissy about it yeah he's so mad yeah number two here's the decision for mid-south which right. again we already knew this the fans were supposed to pick the challenger which okay. was jyd we know that. We yeah. saw that already. Why, why does this need to be explained? <laughs> I don't know. So now, here's what's happening, okay? Okay. The title is going back to Butch Reed. Not Magnum, because that's he never a, won it like fairly. three champions <laughs> yeah. ago. Definitely not Volkov. Fuck yeah. Volkov. So Butch Reed's going to face JYD, and there's going to be a special mystery troubleshooting referee, and that's going to happen today. And I saw, said this to you immediately. Like, so Volkov just gets the screw? 
like nothing he gets no he, he should have cha- he should never have challenged magnum because magnum never fairly won the belt because reed can- isn't supposed to defend it against if him if you're him you're like, well, he's the champion. I'm going to challenge him for it. True. Like, yeah. what, what the hell? Well, I guess when the tapes were being reviewed in Tampa, you know, how all that. How long does this take? <laughs> Shouldn't, see, Vince McMahon in 1983, you know how long this whole thing would have taken? Two minutes yes. of his TV time. Yeah. Not 15. This was insane. This, this was insanity. This is like a third of the show. This is not pioneering. Just pi- explaining it is. It's literally a third of the show. Yeah. This is not pioneering shit. This is wasting fucking time. Oh my god! <sighs> okay, and they still have like a ton of matches. They're like, oh, there's 15 <laughs> yeah, million matches, and we're like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. Finally, let's go to the ring. We got Butch Reed. Fine, okay. okay. Versus JYD. It's just happening right now. Okay. Screw waiting for this, right? Yeah, we've already waited yeah. long enough for these damn tapes in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't know this, Quinn. Uh, JYD already has another one. Bites of dust as yeah. his entrance theme. Good for him. Pretty cool. The crowd here is okay. They're not that excited to be honest with you. I expected more. Yeah, I really did. Like a hot crowd. They're like, yeah, it's in a studio. Yeah. Who There's cares? Already two regular refs in the ring. There's a lot of referees. <laughs> like, so we thought like one of them was just the troubleshooting ref. Yeah, like, I was thinking, oh, okay, so it's not going to be like a wrestler. It's just a ref. Yeah, yeah, it's just an extra ref. Like maybe they flew one in from Tampa. Right. Right. Yeah. But no, here's what came in from Tampa. Apparently, the actual troubleshooting ref Quinn. Who is it? Dusty Rhodes. What? <laughs> I so did not see he, this coming. Wait a sec. Was he reviewing the tapes? Because he's, <laughs> he's in Tampa. Let me tell you something, Daddy. I saw... I saw Boy 3 <laughs> coming off the top rope there, Daddy. All right, enough of that impression. Reed, of course, gets all mad. The announcing, I have to say, and it will be a recurring theme, mm-hmm. is horrible because it's mainly Bill Watts talking. He wanted to shortcut it by taking it away from the dog, by robbing the dog of what he built up. And he said the dog had gotten too heavy, that he'd gotten out of shape. This is the thing. It's old man, orange coat, pumpkins Boyd Pierce, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, what a name, by the way. Yeah, he gets talked over. <laughs> All the time. Like, he gets to talk at the beginning of the match for like three seconds. Yeah. And then Watts goes on like a rant. like A run-on a, sentence. run-on sentence the whole match. And then at the very end, Boyd's like, and he won. Yeah, and it's like, real. And then, and then just Watts keeps talking. You're going to hear clips intermittently of Watts just rambling, literally babbling. babbling. And he also keeps saying Dugan during this match. <laughs> he says Dugan in every match. I don't think and he guess ever what? says Duggan, does he? No, and guess what? Duggan's not even on this card. Yeah. He literally says Dugan in every single match. And he says the name wrong every single time. <laughs> wrong, and he's not even on the show. Right. Anyway, this is a match. We get some feeling out. A side headlock by Reed. Remember, this is for the North American Championship. Reed is defending. Yeah, not the Stampede North no. American <laughs> Championship, just to the be Mid-South clear version. here. Um, headbutt by the dog into a chin lock for a while. Like, for a long time. <laughs> Watts really doesn't know how to shut the hell up, as we noted. I swear, it really is one run-on sentence. You're hearing it now, I promise. I started to phase him out already, like, in my brain. I was like, yeah. I just didn't pay attention to him anymore. I didn't know what he was saying. I think it took a lot of fire out of the dog, and I think a lot of the fans were I certainly was. I, I never felt as silly in my life when Reed's sitting out there calling me a sucker and saying it's either T.A. or nobody and walking off. And of course, I got to credit T.A. with a lot of courage. I got to credit Grizzly Smith with trying to make the best of a bad situation. You know how we were talking last week on WCW Pro about how the crowd noise was just constant? Yeah. Like in the syndicated mm-hmm. overdub? This is like that version. It's just Bill Watts is Bill constant. Bill Watts' voice is constant. Yes, there's just no space. There's thank no God gap. he got JR. I know. Seriously, yeah. thank God he got JR. Still huh. a chin lock going on, by the way. Reed tries to power out, but he can't. Dog turns it into a pin. You know, chin lock into a pin for two. Yep. Back to the chin lock. Orange guy butts in for a second just to remind us, Hot folks. second. 
that this match is sanctioned. Yeah, it took them 15 <laughs> minutes to tell us it was sanctioned. Let's tell them again. God, <laughs> oh! Dog misses a headbutt and Reed takes control. A fist drop and stomp, forearm, whatever. Choke, choke, choke. Now Reed, because this we needed this, a chin lock. This is more like dog shit. Ha. Yeah, and Qu- then I leave to get a snack. When you left to get a snack. What'd you get, by the way? Uh, hot and spicy Cheez-Its. I'm not allowed to have those. My wife banned me from eating them about well, six years ago. Apologies. Because I will eat the whole damn box. Right. And I, Quinn, I, you've been down that road. I've been down the road, although I do police myself. It, We're getting older. Yeah. <laughs> so. When you hit your 30s, half a box maybe is your max. Max. If that. Yeah. I used to, in my early 20s, I used to wolf down a box of those like in my teen years, too. They're really good. And like you know nobody's business. You know what they also are? A lot more interesting than this match. Oh, yeah, you're right. This match is going on still? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Because Watts is still rambling. There's still chin locks going on. JYD finally does fight out, but then, of course, he collides with Dusty. So, of course, to Quinn's point from earlier, yeah. Dusty is knocked out dead on the outside after, right. like, a collision. Mind you, we just saw JYD knocked out this same exact way, but what happens when he knocks into the ref now that he's gained the ref life bar also <laughs> right. earlier in the show shouldn't they both be like dead good point yeah you're right see, see that's a problem with special refs being wrestlers there's a yeah. bunch of problems with it the life bar the conflict of interest because they're right. always interfering right exactly and if it's Shawn michaels the bicycle shorts well big problem <laughs> at least at least he could move easier i guess he was I don't spry know. yeah he was spry i'll give him that so here's a great thing so reed goes to the top as he always does apparently when the ref is knocked out right but yeah. jyd throws him off again dusty's knocked out on the outside then he crawls back in and then <laughs> jim the anvil need heart <laughs> comes out and yes that is what bill watts calls him incessantly here here comes need heart need heart behind the dog and he doesn't see him Needheart tackled the dog. He tripped the dog. It's insane. <laughs> Jim Needheart. Needheart. Like, Needheart. What the fuck is wrong with him? Doesn't he know these people? Dugan and Do- Needheart. Don't they work for him? What is this? Some kind of weird performance <laughs> art? Like he's 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 just faking it? Because he's got to know their name because they right? get announced when they come out. I know. Everyone else is saying these names, right? Yeah. So Dusty then beats the shit out of Jim Needheart, and then Dog hits the thump power slam for the win. <sighs> that was really... Uh, something, I guess. The finish was fun. I guess there's a new champion. Yeah. New North American. Junkyard so, dog. Would you say we've now seen um like four North American title changes in one episode or something? Yeah, that's three, crazy. I mean, they at least talked four. about the Volkov one. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that. I would love to see him win a title. <laughs> that would be crazy. Be well, awesome. We saw a belt around his waist. That's true. WrestleMania. Have seen him win a title? Yeah, you're right. A, a singles title, I meant. It's rare. Yeah. Anyway. Let's get another match. Can we please get away from this uh, angle? This, this whole thing needs to go away. So how about Max, the missing link, which I never remember them what? calling him that ever, yeah. but it's the missing link. You've heard of him. You've seen him. He sucks. Yeah. He uses his hair. He like holds his hair when he comes out. Yeah. yeah. He's wasteful. Yeah. Uh, and versus Magnum TA, Terry Allen, of course. Kind of weird because missing link here was always associated with the WWF and Magnum TA was an NWA guy. Crockett. Namely, yeah. right? Yeah. And a big deal. I mean, yeah. he was heralded as like maybe bigger than Hulk Hogan. So this is kind of unique, right? This is unique. I never thought I'd see this dream match, and I don't know why the crowd's not excited for it. <laughs> well, it's missing like I wouldn't call it a dream match. No, but... I know. Both guys are dressed, by the way, in black trunks and black boots, kind of like Stone Cold. Yeah, that would never happen now because it'd be too confusing. Yeah, the crowd would obviously get confused. Who are these people? Can't even have people with the same first name yeah, anymore. Which one's which? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't good at all. And Watts rambles as usual this is just a squash match to yeah, be fair it's, it's not small. supposed to be like a featured it's not thing a good or squash yeah. though 
Yeah. Magnum with a drop kick, a test of strength. And you said to me, Quinn, Bill Watts is kind of like that annoying fan that sits next to you and constantly talks the whole time. Yeah, but you're also like not sure if they're watching either. Like, <laughs> Just stream of conscience, not even paying attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fireman's carried by Magnum into an armbar and shoulder blocks abound. But Link comes back with a drop kick. He goes up top, mm. which is illegal, but... Yeah, Magnum takes him down from the top with he, like, a belly catches to catches him into the belly to belly, a belly to belly suplex as called. How does he throw that in there, By Bill Watts? <laughs> this Bill Watts, he's he... awful on commentary. Okay, I'll give him credit. He's obviously booking all this, and, and he's a good and this booker. Is, this is decent, at least in the eighties. However, however, he should have never ever been a commentary. He's terrible. Like he's worse than, than any... a lot of people I've heard. Like, if we had heard him before we did that Rushmore Death Valley of commentators or right. whatever, yeah. like he would have made Death Valley easily. Yeah, because most of the UWF or, or Mid-South that I've seen is with JR. Right. And JR is good, like mm-hmm. always. And Bill Watts, bad. Good finish, though. That was an excellent finish. Not bad. Not bad at all, right? Not bad at all. So our next match here is Nikolai Volkov, and of course that is spelled wrong. Yep. N-I-C-O-L-A-I. I mean, why get anything right in Mid-South? <laughs> Versus... Jerry Oates, do you think he ever teamed with Scott Hall? Yeah, Hall and Oates, the tag team. Thank you. There's Here's another weird thing, and Watts rambles on the whole match about yeah. this. I don't care why. There was a bag of wheat in the ring. Seriously. Wait, uh, wheat for Oates? Yeah. I, oh, cereal. Oh. See, it is a cereal TV show. <laughs> ah, you got me. <laughs> but there really was a bag of wheat in the ring, and apparently Watts in his, like, fucking disposition here is going or deposition is going on and on about how this wheat was symbolic of how Russia is mad at the US. The fuck? And I don't know. a guy named Oates? That's really weird. By the way, Oates looks like a shitty version of Larry Zbysko if there could be a <laughs> shitty version of Larry Zbysko. <laughs> he wandered into the cereal aisle. So, <laughs> then the hard camera flips sides? What was that? Yeah, that was weird. I've never seen that. That was odd and the whole, the flippy camera or whatever yeah. is ultra shitty compared yeah, to like, the other one. It's like they had a much lower quality camera on the other side of the hard it's camera. It's like if you could get below 480i resolution, they found it. They definitely yeah. did. And apparently Oates at some point in life was the North American champion. Odd. It doesn't look like How many he would have been. People had this belt because it just know. it just recently changed hands like four times in a day. It's also its very generic title name though, because WWF had one, Stampede had one. Eh. I don't even know which belt this really is. You know, what if it is the Stampede one all along? No like, could way. You, could you imagine? Well, like Needheart brought it over with him. Do you think Needheart did bring it over? That'd and be then crazy. He, and then he lost it in in Mid South, and it's like trapped there. Maybe I do know this though, Quinn. Oates tries to do a comeback, but he runs into a Harley race. Knee. Yeah, Harley Race on knee. <laughs> Into a huge press slam backbreaker for the win. Awesome. That what was, do you think of that finisher? I loved it. It made Nikolai Volkov with the C yeah. look really impressive. No, you're absolutely right. That was an excellent finisher. Yeah. So we have our next match here. It is Tom Stanton, who, well, he has a fro and a beard. I don't know. I don't know who yeah. this guy is. Versus Quinn's favorite, Iceman King Parsons. Uh, what a piece of garbage. <laughs> This guy. Can you explain why you don't like him? I just want to know. You know when the network first came out, right? Yeah. And you could get world class on it, right? That was a big novelty to me. I'd never seen world class like 
other than the world-class DVD, right? Sure, so I was yeah. like, I'll turn it on, right? Mm-hmm. The first match I see is with Iceman King Parsons, and yeah. it was the most boring thing ever, and I just turned it off and never really watched those world-class because of it. Okay, that's he, fair he, enough. And he stinks. Like He he, he does. He is garbage, yep. and I don't know why he was hired. Why would anyone bring him in? He's boring. Know. Like He's really bad. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I don't like him either. You know who the best person in this match is, though, is actually, believe it or not, the referee, Quinn. Pee-wee Anderson? Yes, Randy Anderson? Yes. Yeah, they call him Pee-wee here. So we yes. know where he got the Pee-wee nickname he from now. He was already called that in Mid-South. So obviously it's a serial show, so that gets explained <laughs> for later yes. in Nitro or whatever. When <laughs> Remember when he loses his job or whatever and his family <laughs> shows up? <laughs> That's one of the funniest, not funniest, stupidest, <laughs> awesome angles ever. Mr. Like, Bashoff. Yeah. <laughs> I got <a> family. <laughs> it's, it's not. Please funny. hire me back. That I can just ask for some way possible that you can reconsider and give me my job back <laughs> parsons looks like shit as usual he does hip tosses and crap like that by the way quinn next week we're getting leaping lanny poffo man just everyone is in this company <laughs> crazy roster right yeah. really horrible body slam by Stanton. oh my god Iceman like lands on his feet somehow out of a body slam what was i've that? never seen that happen speaking of awful things a Butt slam by Parsons gets to, the for win. The finish. You said to me, you're like, I hate when that butt move is used ever. It's like to me, it's like a diva move. Like it's <laughs> like a it's like you throw your tramp stamp at someone, basically. <laughs> like that that I hate it. And how does that hurt? It really shouldn't, right? Yeah. Because isn't a butt It's usually... like you're slightly like grazing them with your ass <laughs> and they're like knocked out dead from that. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And it's not like he has a big ass either. He's yeah. like a regular He's just ass. a regular sized ass. He's not an ass man. No, he's not Billy Gunn. That's yeah. for sure. Okay, next match, Quinn. It is Jim Needhart and Bobby Duncan. Not Junior. No. <laughs> Versus... I'm not making this up. <laughs> Marty Oates. How? Wait, they have their brothers. I don't know, but there's also a Ted Oates. Oh, How many God. Oates are there? What is this? The Serial Federation or something? CWF. <laughs> now, do you think if they all got together and had dinner, that would be oatmeal? Ha ha! Thank you very much. And Mike Bond is his tag <laughs> the team partner. Bond. Mike Bond. <laughs> I'll have a margarita. I'll have a margarita. Needhart has a cowboy hat and a full beard, and him and Duncan are both dressed. Like Steve Austin. Again. I kind of dig it, actually. Neidhart, or Needhart, Needhart excuse me. Needhart. Needhart. Okay. He looks awesome with a full beard and, like, not the anvil singlet on. Yeah. He looks cool. But now here's the kicker, Quinn. Yeah. Watts is saying his name correctly now. Now he's Neidhart. Because the announcer said Neidhart when he announced him, and he didn't want to look stupid. Yeah. That's probably that's what, what it is. It's gotta be. He heard him being announced by the ring announcer. I don't know the guy's name. Yeah. And Watts is probably to himself being like, Oh shit! That's yeah, how you say I've been it. Saying it the whole. <laughs> What's gonna happen when Dugan yeah, comes out or whatever? Exactly. His like favorite. <laughs> Big body slam by the Anvil. Watts again says Dugan like seven times in a row. <laughs> I told you he says it like in every it's match. It's amazing. He corrects his need heart thing right, but then he just goes back to his crutch of yeah. Dugan for the rest and makes himself look stupider. It's crazy. So R- Watts is just rambling and rambling on about anything other than this match, and I have to say. That seems to be where this trend started, and here's what I mean by that. In the late 80s, but mainly the mid-90s during the Monday Night Wars and during the syndicated shows of that time, mm-hmm. probably even like superstars and stuff, Vince, when he was on commentary, had a penchant for getting other angles over during squash matches. Yeah. 
And WCW was notorious for even on pay-per-view. Oh, they would just talk about whatever about the, the NWO, NWO was doing. Yeah. Incessantly, right? Yeah. But in the early 80s, during this period of time, on like championship, championship wrestling, watch, they're just talking about the match. Or on the WCW show, the NWA yeah, show. World Championship yeah, Wrestling. thank you. They're talking about the match, right? And, right? and the angle within the context of that match, like the guy in it, right? The only other thing they would usually say is like, oh, Ric Flair is going to be course. here today or some shit. Which is fine. He yeah. was a champion. But here, Bill Watts is talking about other angles during matches. And this has been happening kind of the whole time. Mm -hmm. I just didn't bring it up until now because it's really evident here. But during this tag match, Bill Watts is talking about Jim Duggan the whole time. Dugan, like other, yes, excuse me, Jim Dugan, the entire time. And maybe he was the first person to do that, and that's where that trend got picked up. I'm, Possibly. I'm I, kind of serious. I, I We might be speculating, but this yeah. is pretty early, I guess, for that. For right? that type of behavior, yeah. Because yeah. if you watch Championship Wrestling from the same year, Vince yeah. McMahon is talking about what's going on in the ring. Mm -hmm. He ain't talking about Bob Backlund, you know, no, or whatever. not at all. Not that anyone should. It's just focusing on what's happening. That's how exciting this match is, by the way. Anvil mm -hmm. um, is just anviling around, basically. <laughs> then Duncan comes in and rolls around the ring with Bond for a while. Anvil comes back in with forearms, and then a big fallaway slam awesome. for the win. Another the finishes have been pretty decent. Yeah, they have. Overall, all the finishers have yeah. been really good. Yeah, so I will say that's a strength. So that was a good show. Oh, wait, there's another match? Yep. Because what? remember, we, they told us there's like seven matches on this card or something. Now, here we have Doug Vines, <laughs> who Quinn swears that he, he remembers. Yes, who is he that? was like a jobber on superstars, WWF superstars, like in the like early 90s. I swear I don't remember that. Are it's you, real. No. He just had black hair at that point. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't remember him at all, but he's, he's real. All, he's facing a guy that I've never heard of. King Cobra, no, a wrestler, I don't apparently. Know who, this is. who is that? Is that anybody? I don't know. Is he related to Sergeant Slaughter or Jake the Snake? <laughs> Do you think he ever teamed with Jake the Snake or maybe fought him? <laughs> I don't know. Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, good one, Quinn. Yeah. G.I. Joe. Right, very exactly. much appreciated. Yeah, I have, I'll be honest, I have no idea who that is, but you said a guy named King Cobra better win. Yeah, his <laughs> name's awesome. He better never ever lose. <laughs> so then we get some very quick offense because we're literally running out of time here. Yeah. We get, by the way, every single match they said like TV time remaining. Yeah, like three and, matches ago. Right. And I kept thinking, like, oh, this is the last match then. Right, but exactly. No, this is the last match with like less than a minute yeah, remaining or really, something like it was like really short it's really short so basically cobra just does a bunch of rapid fire offense we get a knee drop a close on another knee drop a drop he's kick. really trying to beat that tv time <laughs> limit remaining and then he wins with the flying head scissors right into a pin and that was a decent finish as yeah, well that's fine we cut back to watts and mr orange jacket boyd pierce and they literally <laughs> wave goodbye. Like, goodbye goodbye that was really really strange quinn yeah, and I can understand at the beginning how you may have thought maybe this is like the worst thing we watched. It wasn't. I, it wasn't the worst. No. It was just... <sighs> it wasn't good. It wasn't great. It was just kind of disappointing. I think it's the most accurate yeah, thing I can say. Because a lot of the Bill Watts stuff overall is pretty damn good. Right. I'll be the first to admit that. I'm not a big fan of Southern wrestling, but... Uh, he came through the door. <laughs> yeah, but the way he did it, wasn't wrestling so much as like you know the the Alabama Mississippi territories or Tennessee right. or even Georgia. He had a pretty good television show for a while, but this is not a good example of it at no, all. This is poop, and he's an awful announcer. Oh yeah, awful. And it's no wonder he got a real announcer later on. So, but we gotta reflect here real quick on the roster, Quinn, because this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier in the first segment. Yeah, 
Think of the names that we just saw in this it's show. It's awesome, actually. This is a really good roster. Jim Needhart. Yeah. Who, in about a year, would be over in WWF, right? And Hacksaw Jim Dugan. Who, in a few years, who, by the way, was an awesome star of Mid-South right. after this. Correct. Like, 85, 86, They're 87. to build him up. He's just starting, yeah. Butch Reed. Yeah, Hacksaw Butch Hacksaw Reed. Hacksaw Butch Two Hacksaws. Who had, you know, his run in WWF was really stupid, but he was a pretty notable guy in Doom, you know, he, WCW. He's, he's a notable example of a guy, like I said before, who was big in the territories, but he was like a low-card guy in WWF. Yes, and a, a decent tag team wrestler in WCW. Yeah. Decent. No, right. they weren't. Okay. Doom wasn't that good. Yeah. But they were tag champs. Yeah. There was something. But not only that, right? You get a glimpse of Magnum TA. That was the most bizarre thing to me. I yeah. didn't realize he was here before Jim I didn't Crockett. either. Yeah. And that's a guy, folks, if you're not familiar with him, who if he hadn't have gotten into that accident in yeah, 85, 86. His Porsche or something blew up. Yeah, like he, he wrapped he it around in, a tree, yeah, basically. Yeah. Was that 86, 86, right? Yeah, it was 86. He was poised, folks. He's supposed to be the NWA world champion. To become the big breakout face champion of the mid-late 80s. Yeah, he was the counter to Hogan. For, and it would have I think it would have worked oh, yeah, when he was so over. He really would have had something with them, but yeah. you know, things happen. But he was here. Not only that, Dusty Rhodes wandering in as a guest ref. Yeah, randomly. The Dusty this Rhodes. This is right before Starcade 83 where he's like months, in the yeah. crowd or whatever, yeah. I guess signing with him. So I I theorized when we were watching this like it was, was right he before Crockett, was he right? in between contracts with Tampa and Probably and Jim Crockett or probably. something. Yeah, I don't probably know. just doing a guest shot here. Yeah, yeah. Starcade was actually like a month after this, right? Thanksgiving. Yeah, wasn't it Starcade? Well, the first month? few. Well, when was what was the date on this? This is October twenty seventh. Oh, okay, so wow, yeah, we're really close to Starcade. It's like a month away. Yeah, and not only that, you have other notable names. Like I'm not saying he was a big star, but the missing link was here. I know who that is. Yeah, he's in WWF. He was notable. Nikolai Volkov. Yep, another, another notable name, WWF right? guy. Junkyard Dog. JYD himself, <laughs> yeah, of, with, more, with the music and everything. With the music and everything. And not only that, there's other guys that would be in Mid-South that we didn't get to see. Uh, Ted DiBiase yeah. was a big star of Mid-South. Yep. So they, they had a very powerful roster, let's say that. They really did. And this was just, a unfortunately, not a good example. <laughs> very stinky episode. A clunker. But, I mean... It's weekly television. You never know what you're really going to get. You really never know what you're going to get. But folks, speaking of weekly, we're going to be back next week to bring you more retro wrestling goodness. We thank you, of course, as always, for your support, for your listenership. You can feel free to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com and of course Quinn they can join the Facebook group with the shenanigans and the hijinks yep join the Facebook group search our vantage point retro wrestling podcast and you can join the group you can join the group and join in on the fun of course if you have any suggestions go to the suggestion box at ovppodcast.com yep. you can visit our Patreon if you'd like and check out yeah. the additional content you can get by donating that is patreon.com slash podcast. but anyway in the meantime we will be back next week for episode number 55 so have a great rest of your day have a great rest of your week we will see you in a week for more retro wrestling goodness see ya well thank you Boyd I think you've said it all the whole thing went back to two weeks ago, and the North American title that you see here is the bone of contention. That first of all, and mo must be clear-cut, and has always been established that no champion makes his own matches. All championship matches must be sanctioned by Mid-South Wrestling. Two weeks ago, Hacksaw Butch Reed came and said he would wrestle on TV 
and defend the North American title. He already had a Mid-South Tag title match that he and Neidhart had challenged Dugan and Magnum TA had already been signed. Grizzly got the match sanctioned by Mid-South, Charlie Lay. He called him long distance in Tampa and Charlie said, sure, if he wants to wrestle in two title matches, that's fine. But then he also stipulated that he would let the people pick the opponent. And let's join in as Reeser Bowden was having a runoff. There was four opponents that were brought out in front of the people. Darso, T.A., Dugan, and the dog. And it was very close between Dugan and the dog. And Reeser Bowden had a runoff between them. And let's see just who the people selected to be the opponent for the, for the North American title. Magnum T.A. felt that he'd been made a fool of also. But he's a young man with a lot of courage. And he couldn't back down and didn't back down. Grizzly Smith met during the commercial break with Orville Richards, the... Deputy Louisiana State Athletic Commissioner, they... Who cares?